This is Jason with the NFT Gaming Podcast, and we're excited in season two to dive into the founders' stories in the future of gaming. Remember, this is not financial advice, and do your own research. Now enjoy the show. I always wondered what NFT gaming would look like, and then I got in. Relationship building is the output of sovereignty. The implications are ginormous. Now you're actually making these economies closer to a real-world economy. Welcome to a new way of gaming. One that's owned by the players. Welcome to the NFT Gaming Podcast, and today we have one of the largest NFT games. Personally, one that I started out my NFT gaming journey with a little bit, so I'm really excited to have the Sandbox on the show, and we're going to dive into that just a little bit with the co-founder of the Sandbox. Uh, but before we do, Jason, this is the season finale of season two. Man, that went fast. It's crazy, and I'm so excited because... That means we get to go into one of the busiest times for us as a team, actually releasing some of the very first alpha builds of our own game right before the holiday season. Yeah, so I'll make sure to link that in the description. It's getduo.gg. Uh, but we are going to take a brief pause on the NFT Gaming Podcast in between Season 2 and Season 3 for all of our listeners out there, um, just for the holiday season and, the like you said, the release of our game. Uh, but a season finale episode with The Sandbox is like the perfect way to go out on this one. Yeah, it's going to be a big game with, I'm sure, some really in-depth conversations. And if there's anything that I think we're going to touch base on, it's probably UGC, which, Jacob, you know, we're big fans of. We love the user-generated content conversation. So let's give a brief sponsor message, and then we'll jump into our episode. This season is brought to you by Revelar, the NFT game engine that allows you to connect your game to the blockchain. Use Revelar's easy APIs to connect your game and focus on building the game that you love. Learn more at revelar.co. Today we have the privilege of Sebastian, the COO and co-founder of The Sandbox, joining us. I'm really, really excited to hear what he has to say. Sebastian, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Man, Sebastian, it is going to be incredible to dive into The Sandbox, which I think for a lot of gamers touches on some really familiar game loops, some really familiar creative aspects of what gaming has become over the last several years. Before we dive too deep into the game itself, I'd love to hear a little bit of your backstory and what brought you to the sandbox in the very early days. All right. Well, I've been an entrepreneur for, well, over 15 years now. Together with my business partner, Arthur Madrid, we've co-founded three companies that had two exits, always in the space of new technologies. We actually spent the last 11 years into uh, gaming, mobile gaming. We launched in 2011 the very first version of Sandbox. Back then, it was a mobile game. We wanted to empower players, turn them into creators, just leveraging that new technology, which was a touchscreen on smartphone, uh, iOS and Android. And uh, we came up with this idea that anyone could create 2D pixelated world just by the touch of their finger and be able to share those creations into an online gallery where any other players could access and, and try all those things. Um, and it quickly, it quickly became very 
popular. We had more than 40 million installs, 70 million player creation by then. People enjoying, and that drove like new install, more player, more revenue for us as a company. But unfortunately, all that value, all that content that the players contributed in the form of user-generated content in the game, we had literally no way, even if we wanted to, share it back to the creators, to the players who contributed. Like the, the platforms by then, the App Store, the Google Play Store, they didn't allow or provide any way to reach out to a user and give a revenue share over the, the, the revenue they contributed to. And so we've been trying for ways, but that was not scalable. So we had that frustration and over time, that frustration also was confirmed by the fact that our most talented, the most creative uh, creator in the game, after a few years, they were all leaving. Like we are really no other way to retain them. Social fame, social recognition is great, but that wasn't sufficient. Um, towards 2017, as an entrepreneur, we kept looking around at new technologies, new possibilities, and we found about blockchain. We start to document ourselves, read more about it, Bitcoin, the protocol. And then we found about the first blockchain game that picked our curiosity, of course. We've been always like testing, benchmarking things to be inspired and see how we could deconstruct those and maybe use it for a new product or a new business. And what struck us with that game, CryptoKitties, back then was Virtual cats, people buy them, breed them, nothing new under the sun. But actually one thing is, was very new. The idea that, not actually the fact that those virtual cats, you didn't buy them from the developer, you bought, buy them from the players themselves. And you buy them not on the website or on the game itself, you buy them on OpenSea, an external marketplace. And that was groundbreaking for us. That having been 10 years in gaming, you don't have that ability to buy virtual goods from other players and even more outside. And we saw through that, through that technology by the NFTs, that we would have the possibility to actually let people buy and sell, make a revenue with digital assets the way they want. And came the idea, what if we combine user-generated content with NFTs still allowing people to become creators, make their own NFTs. So instead of making virtual cats, they could do just anything they like, use those NFT with our game makers. So they keep being creators of all sorts of content and experiences. And that idea brought us to, let's build the sandbox from scratch, from the ground up. This time, not as a 2D game on mobile, but as a 3D multiplayer, multi-platform, uh, actual platform that com that is a combination of several products that will allow creators to make any kind of 3D content and uh, games and experiences truly own them, monetize them the way they want and play with the content they created through the game maker. And we've been working on that for four years now. So that's kind of the story and what led to where Sandbox is today. Fast forward, Sandbox has now over 4 million registered users with a wallet, over 400 uh, major brands and partners who some of them you can see behind me and are uh, you can play their experience in the season three. This includes brands from entertainment, uh, from music, from 
fashion, from lifestyle, from gaming. I'm sure we will talk about some of those integration today. And uh, an amazing community of creators and even better, an ecosystem with hundreds of builders who are making a living creating experiences in the metaverse for themselves, for the landowners, for the brands. I'm so excited because I can already tell that this episode is going to be jam-packed with such great content. Uh, Crypto Kitties, we've heard that many times on this show as being an inspirational point for many founders and user-generated content. I'm really excited to talk about this today because that's one of our big ethoses in Web3 is the power of what UGC can actually do at, for the player base and the stickiness of your game, like being able to keep and retain players. So uh, I'm just I'm so excited for this. Well, I want to go back to something that you were you were briefly touching on, especially in the early days, because I think not many people realize like that era, right? So in 2011 and 12, when when the sandbox is coming out, I mean, this is back to like, for, for me, this was like the Minecraft days. Like we're talking iPhone 4s, iPhone 5, so it's fairly early in 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 a lot of this kind of movement towards these open play style games where you can create worlds and you can create experiences for other players to consume uh, and, and receive value from. So as we talk about UGC, I think it's going to be a big theme for this episode. Tell us a little bit more, like why was UGC so important to you that far back, right? Like that's pretty early. Well, it actually goes even earlier. Like one of my previous startups was already around the idea we wanted to let people share online their photos, their videos, their music, and be able to stream them from anywhere in the cloud, access them, mix, remix those. And we went into gaming and we saw with smartphone the possibility to start making video games again with small teams, more indies, rather than having those large studios, 300 people, million, multi-million dollar budget, and very complex hardware programming language. And that's, I think I've always been driven by empowering the creator, inspiring people to be more creative, to find skills that maybe they thought they didn't have and re, um, reveal their inner talent. And I think somehow it's our company mission. I really see Sandbox as the platform that wants to make people more creative, to empower their imagination, um, to enable the creation of all sorts of experiences, more diverse, more immersive. That's kind of what the metaverse is actually leading to. And I'm sure we'll discuss also certain aspects of how we're creating that metaverse in an open manner. Um, and more importantly, not just empower the creativity and imagination, but also make sure that people can make a certain revenue from that. And that could be a life-changing opportunity for many. And um, when we saw on mobile, we saw the rise of Minecraft, as you mentioned. We saw the rise of YouTube, of Web2 social network. Uh, we saw, of course, in Sandbox, a number of creation, people drawing, people uh, spending literally hours a day to build pretty amazing stuff. Like we were always, every day I, I was like trying to curate the best thing to showcase in the from the gallery to the rest of the world, all the other players. And I was always surprised, like, wow, like how can they did that? That, that creativity 
and that's something um that i find is very interesting as well like the 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 creativity of the crowd or the user generated content will always beat even the best game designer in the world like you're competing with ten of thousands of people all around the world that can create at scale and that's also very aligned with our vision that ultimately the metaverse should be created and owned by the users by the community themselves i love that ethos I think that it's uh, so cool to see the doors that open up with Web3, where you mentioned like watching the kind of rise in the Web2 space, and we had YouTube, which empowered creators for the first time, really, and said like, hey, the best creators, they'll start earning off of this, we'll get that money from ad revenue. And then you have these the, these open economies in uh, mobile gaming that were easy to create and build and empower creators, but like the two never really collided well and there was no good way to like monetize the creation in the in the gaming side of things and then web3 just opens the door for really what i like to kind of think of as like create to earn where you're incentivizing like the best creators in your game because they know the game best anyway they're the ones spending all the time in the game so when you guys started sandbox i know that you built a phenomenal tool for ugc and like empowering your users to build assets within your game Talk about the process of building that and like some of the conversations that had to go into to what do we allow them to do in this game and and how do we build this so that it's easy to use and understand for all of our users. That tool is such an incredible piece of your game. Definitely. And actually, it's not just one tool. It's uh, two key tools that uh, have been empowering creators. When we started uh, building from scratch the Sandbox in 2018, the first product that we launched was VoxEdit. VoxEdit is actually our 3D editor and animation tool that allow anyone to make 3D content in voxels. Voxels, they are like 3D pixels or digital Legos. What we found is that there was already a very active community of creators using uh, voxel creation software. The most popular one is called Magica Voxel. And every day they were already posting across social network, their daily doodles, their daily inspiration. They were even organizing contests with a hashtag like daily voxels. Very engaged community, very creative. And at the same time, something I, we found like, well, wait, they're drawing, they're spending, they're, amazing, they're making this great stuff. But one, it's always static. Two, they cannot play with it. They can just show it and that's it. So that gave us the idea, let's make VoxEdit the best 3D voxel editor where people can animate the content. So it starts moving, it can like, do all sorts of uh, animation and that use that content in a game maker so that even people who are not programmer, just great uh, modeler or, or artist, they can play with their creation without a programming language, without hard skills. And that gave life to the second product, which is Game Maker. Game Maker in Sandbox Platform is a no-code tool. So you can just drag and drop your 3D assets made with VoxEdit. They are already animated. You just select a behavior like, oh, it is an enemy. It is a platform. It's a door. And within minutes, you can create games, fun games, have quests, uh, complete goals, fight with enemies, and so on. That tool, Game Maker, the first feedback I hear from many people who tried it is like, we made game creation fun again. 
Because when you look at how you create games nowadays, you have to use either Unreal Engine or Unity Engine. You have to learn the language. And it's a professional tool. It's not like a tool you mingle things around and you get to like try out your own creation, be surprised by the effect, and iterate on your design. So GameMaker has been opening the gate again to game creation to an audience that was not before into the video game industry. They were just people curious and found out like, actually I can create my own game and, and maybe actually I'm pretty good at it. So I'm going to keep on doing. And that, we've, that way with VoxEdit and GameMaker, we've grown the sandbox community at the beginning, focusing on creators. The focus on creator is something that we today is still uh, animating us and is still uh, a large part of our focus. Being creator first really means like thinking like how to improve our product, how to make sure that we're driving the creator economy. And then around 2019 and 20, we introduced the other part of the platform, which were the NFTs with the lands, with the assets, with the avatar afterwards, and the sand token later in August 2020 that will power the transaction of uh, this platform and as well enable um, staking possibilities um, and soon the DAO by next year. So governance possibilities. And that's been, I think, when you think about, we have been one of the pioneers in blockchain gaming. Uh, around CryptoKitties, we were maybe a handful uh, project that built with blockchain technology. But, and we built it in a way that the product were available, people could try it, people could see uh, the land sales, they could see the alpha season now for uh, over a year. They could try, interact, play. And the community has been very creator-driven, landowners, people who are committed to create this platform, to build it together, to own it, and to make it successful, which I think also is very important in the way you, you, you define your audience because you need the right balance between all the profile of users that you can find within the crypto and NFT gaming, the investors, the traders, the holders and the players, and of course the creators. So as you're building these tools, I'm sure there was a lot of discussions about where do the, where do the boundaries exist, right? So like, how do you build a framework that allows for kind of the maximum amount of creativity but still manage some of the chaos that could come from that. Because with any creator, there's also a destroyer. And uh, I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts about, you know, what were the team discussions around? Like what, what should we set as kind of like the fundamental rules and, and where do the boundaries exist for creation? The exciting thing about like you give a tool in the hands of creator and they will break it. They will break the tool hard and they will come up with things unexpected unexpected out of it. So one thing that we've done to encourage creativity was to organize contests and game jams, like short video game creation competition, to inspire people onto a thematic. And we've seen things that we weren't even, we, we didn't even think that were capable uh, or possible with our tool. Like people have been maximizing the capability of our game maker, which is always great and prove like user-generated content you, nothing beats it. The second uh, element I'm thinking here is 
we've been gamers for a decade. Our team has over 20, each team member at Sandbox. Now we are about 350 people. They have like 10 to 20 years of experience in the video game industry. So we know some of the key elements of any uh, category of video game. And they mostly evolve around what we call this RPG package, meaning like you need to have timers, you need to have like quests, platform, doors, um, triggers and interrupters and enemies and fight and jump and run and double jump. Etc. So all that basic package, even if it's called RPG maker kind of package, it's more like the, the first set of elements, rules that you need to create any kind of game. That's what we provided when we started to create Game Maker. And then from there, we started to evolve and progressively introduce more freezes, like uh, more controls and capability for the avatars and characters, more uh, animation and more behaviors for starting to open uh, diversified games. Now, we're also thinking about like we are not creating just a game maker, we are actually creating a metaverse. So we are going, we should find in the metaverse a greater diversity of experiences than just games. So we are also working to enable like the creation of art galleries, museum, displaying NFTs, but still being able also to interact, play, create quests with those NFTs. Uh, and soon virtual concert with a lot of visual effects, camera effect, and so on. So that's an update that will be coming by the end of the year. And we'll keep engaging and bringing more and more creators and more and more players into the space. By So, so you're right in saying like Game Maker is at the core of Sandbox. Like it's because of Game Maker that all those experiences come to life. And through the uh, different brands that Sandbox bring, which are like global brands, we attract new talents, new people who are not gamers before and start offering different experiences. That's something every platform, any new console, um, I'm also thinking like we were, we were talking about uh, YouTube, TikTok, even Roblox or console like the Switch or the Wii U or the 3DS, they always introduce new gameplays, a different format of entertainment that you didn't find before on other platforms. And that every one of those has contributed to enlarge the more uh, the size of the gamer audience, the global gaming market from several hundred million of people to 1 billion, and now today we're about 3 billion gamers. Smartphone with touchscreen contributed to hyper-casual games, more simpler. The uh, Roblox have been creating like very simple social games and so on. And we hope that Sandbox is also starting to enable more differentiated uh, experiences or games that are appealing to not just traditional gamers, but much broader audience as well. I love what you guys are doing to bring in all of these different player types. We say players, but not even some of them are, are players. They're just people there for social interactions or experiences. Um, and all of the brand 
deals and, and collaborations that you guys have done. I know you've mentioned a couple of times, just bringing so much credibility to the NFT gaming space and showing what can really be possible. I want to talk about that, but in before we get there, I have to ask, so we talked about this game builder tool and you said there's some crazy things that you didn't imagine. What is the craziest thing that you've seen in Sandbox that you're like, yeah, that wasn't expected? You know, you, you will definitely find um, quite funny games. Like people have been able to turn, to create 2D side-scrolling game, whereas the game was 3D, to invent a first-person shooter by uh, hacking the animation of the avatar and creating, like, and changing the position of the touch point to far uh, away so that it becomes almost like throwing a projectile on something rather than a sword attack on a direct uh, contact. We've seen um, people playing around with physics and inventing uh, almost those um, uh, contraptions and different elements, even though the current physics engine in Sandbox is still very early on. Basically, everything we have on Sandbox platform, it's still in beta stage. We update the product regularly. And seeing how people are, are really literally spending hours a day with the tool and uh, always coming up with new concepts, storytelling. People have even made like almost cinematic trailer for their experience with voiceover, uh, with various adventure. People start to use the game maker to not just uh, in a little bit like Minecraft, as a way has become an engine for storytelling on YouTube and has given birth to like a great category of Minecraft influencers who tell story more than they actually play Minecraft itself. We're starting to see that in Sandbox as well now. And it's, it's really interesting when, again, like when people take your tool and, and use it in so many different ways than you expected. And it's our role to listen to the feedback to the community and, and to work with them and then prioritize the feature based on what they would like to see next to keep iterating, being closer to the community and iterating toward the next release. So I know that uh, you brought up Minecraft again, which which I think is very easy for people to kind of connect uh, either Minecraft or Roblox to uh, when they first see Sandbox for the first time. Um, you guys are talking about governance coming up in the future. And that's a very different structure or direction than, you know, these game studios like um, when, when Notch sold uh, Mojang to Microsoft, right? That, that was, that's, that's a really different direction than creating a decentralized form of governance over, over a game. What, what are your thoughts on the old like game studio model versus this new world of web three based gaming where you start to have different options uh that that um that come to the table whether that's decentralizing the governance and kind of the connection back to the player base that actually owns a lot of this content uh talk to me about what your thoughts are on that i think i'm really attached to the idea that people should have the freedom of owning their digital assets and choosing how they can use them sell them and monetize them and, I, and i'm um, there's a few things i'm thinking about that first of all i believe that the video game industry has been mostly monetizing around the free-to-play business model where only three one to three percent of users would pay the rest will actually watch ads which is a lesser user experience 
But what we those 3% of whales are buying doesn't really belong to them. And so to me, it's first an issue that players don't really own, but just maybe rent their items. They lose everything. So there's actually... Um, it's draining progressively the value out of the player pocket. It's not really building on top, and it's it's not really fair in an approach to have a centralized companies that create a game that acts as like the dictator. The game designers we we often say that game designers are dictators into their own world because they choose the rule, they choose how they create the supply of virtual items, how they balance them, and so on. And I'm more in favor of like, like kind of a democracy where like players are stakeholders, are owners of the world. They contribute to building and they should earn as they keep game developers, for example, they want players to become influencers for their game to drive revenue. But why then shouldn't the players earn revenue for influencing, for driving the revenue? And so if in the user-generated content game, like sandbox but even more like minecraft players contribute to the success by devoting their time their passion to create content why is it only the developer or the platform that get the revenue and don't say they shouldn't get nothing like there should be a more uh, a fair split and that fair split actually is made possible thanks to blockchain and nfts where you own the asset and all asset can hold value and the value based on the real-world utility, might increase as uh, by the overall value of the application or, or the game grows as well. Let's go a little bit deeper into the example of Minecraft and Roblox. Um, Notch sold Minecraft for $2.5 billion to Microsoft. He made that fortune and he got almost all of it for himself, like the rest of all the Minecraft players in the world that enjoy that game and contributed to make a major success, they got close to zero for themselves. I find this like very unfair. And it goes even further and it makes me uh, quite angry when I read the Minecraft later toward NFTs claiming that, well, they are a platform that's fairly supporting creator and sharing with creator when Actually, creators earn nothing on their platform. They cannot monetize. They have to resort to, to modding and run their own servers to start maybe earning some revenue. The same with Roblox. Like Roblox is definitely a creator-driven platform, but they have full control on the currency, the Robux of their platform. And creators build content learn how to make games, launch those games, maybe they get successful and earn a revenue from selling virtual items uh, in Robux on the store of their games. Except that, well, they don't really get 100% or even 70%, which is already a small portion, I think. They get... Um, because the exchange rate of the Robux is not the same when you as a player buy it and then how roblox platform pay you it's divided by three they already get a tiny portion of the revenue they help generate roblox and now roblox is a company publicly listed that was i think it introduced at somewhere like 60 billion dollars i haven't checked the today's market cap and what did the player get 
what did the creator get out of all that value? Again, I find it very unfair. So I believe that when uh, the future of gaming and what Web3 is offering is like to have a more fair distribution of the value among all the participants, whether they are the creators, they are the communities, they are the players, they are the curators, the influencers, the streamer who contribute to make a certain game or platform successful. I think that's the vision that we're all so excited to see come to fruition and we're just at the beginning. So that's one of the reasons why we love this podcast and being able to talk to some of these people who think about it like this. Talk to me about how Sandbox is structured just differently for a player who's maybe not as familiar with your game. What you guys offer in terms of being able to actually have the ownership over those assets that players are creating and and using within the game. So we have a lot to offer. We have like real utility with a game maker. You can use your avatars, you can use those enemies, those decorations, you can sell the content on the marketplace. Right now, it's still, uh, we are whitelisting creators still, but we are planning to open it fully as soon as we finish the, the migration toward layer two. So technically, we, we are in transition to Polygon of all the assets. And from there, it will really fully open the creator economy on the Sandbox platform. The lands as well, people have been acquiring digital space of real estate called lands where they will be able to publish their experiences and make them accessible to anyone that's coming towards the end of the year so they can own the land right now and by the end of the year they will be able to publish their experience that they created with game maker on their land and start uh, running a revenue and the difference with Minecraft or Roblox is like whatever they sell on the marketplace, they keep 95% of the value. Us as a platform, we take 5% as a transaction on the primary sale or on the secondary sale as well, since users have the freedom to sell to each other asset as well. Do you think that as players discover this new form of ownership with nfts that will have a kind of a new wave of of people who have enjoyed games maybe even just board games in their daily life and now they can find a way to express that creativity through games like the sandbox or or in an experience even where i mean i think a lot of these social dynamics are just games in life that we play between one another. Um, but but what do you think, what do you think is the biggest barrier for new users to understand this this kind of new version of ownership and and what is the education that they need to have around that? All right. So I, I see really that there will be a metaverse native generation, just like there's been an iPod. Uh, native generation and before I was like internet native so I've grown up back then there was still radio tapes CD players nowadays who buys those nobody buys physical or listen to physical music they just go and download they don't even download and buy on iTunes anymore they just stream on Spotify and other platforms I believe it will be the same in gaming like at some point 
gamers will get accustomed to just own digital assets, including gaming items, use them, be able to sell them when they don't use it, be able to rent it on certain platforms to other players if needed. All of that will become the new normality and whatever or whichever game do not doesn't offer that will be passed of the will be part of the past. Like will gamers will start to wonder in this new normality how how could you even play games where you didn't own your digital asset? And that transition is bound to happen because the transition we we've seen the success of with Robux, with skins in Fortnite, with the App, uh, app, the Apple G- iTunes gift card, etc. That there is already a generation of million, maybe a hundred of million of younger players who prefer to have digital goods as gift at Christmas or whenever they are engaging into games with friends. They are asking their parents to buy virtual currency more than to buy physical toys or or other physical goods. And when they will grow, they will have kids and so on and so on. So over time, it's just going to keep moving on and there's nothing that will stop that. And I think like trying to go against that wave ultimately is like just refusing to embrace what is bound to happen nevertheless. So that's the long-term vision I believe in. But on the short term, Still, like how to onboard into Web3, uh, the UX of wallets, etc. It's a paradigm shift. It's true that we are still at this phase and the UX has still improved a lot over the last four years. Like maybe we're at the beginning of wallets and how easy they are to uh, onboard for the first time, create your wallet, store your digital uh, goods and NFTs and identity on it and use it across multiple applications. But it will evolve just like payment solution. We used to add a real fiat and then a credit card and now just touch phone to an Apple Pay services like that. So overall, it's going to mature. Um, I still think it's important that there is a, a difference with uh, web two single sign on because you need to understand you're into a different paradigm shift. I uh, many people say like the best way to transition to web three is web 2.5, where we're going to be just like web two custodial, but have the op- let the users have the option to go to web three. Sure, they will feel comfortable because it's basically the same. But concretely, how many users will really do that step to move to web free? Zero point something percent, one percent. So we're kind of a little bit fooling ourselves here to say like we're contributing to drive that revolution. Sandbox has four million users with a wallet. Half of them created a wallet for the first time thanks to Sandbox. We want to be that driving force that is appealing for people to get into Web3. Even they don't make any purchase first, they create the wallet and the wallet is the entry point towards like digital on true digital ownership. And eventually as they play and engage, they can earn token, which then they might want to stake. And we make it pretty simple 
and gamified all the staking. So in Sandbox, you play, for example, you play and earn as you engage in season three, which is live right now until um, November 2nd for eight more weeks. Every day you complete quests, you enter leaderboard that helps to increase your ranking and potentially your earning in token and NFT. But at the same time, there is community pool. So if you already have token, you stake what you have, you earn back and you increase the rewards for everyone. So there is a way, once you get engaged into something, you are more likely to give your attention to the learning curve that is needed to be into Web3. The onboarding is easy and you will fall. Many people say like you fall in the rabbit hole of Web3 and NFTs thanks to that because it's a progressive onboarding. It's a fun onboarding. It's an engaging onboarding with a real purpose. There is, you can do a lot of great things in Sandbox as a player and as a creator, of course, like you start creating content, you might want to put it for sale on the marketplace. Well, there is a driver, there is a motivation for you to learn how to create that wallet so I can sell and I can earn something behind, for example. Yeah, actually, Sandbox was one of the games that really sparked my journey down the rabbit hole. Of like, what what's going on here? And like this whole Web3 gaming uh, idea was uh, for me one sandbox was one of the games that really started that and i love the idea and the the the, uh, theory that better user experiences games like this user generated content that's going to get people's interest peaked in this whole web3 movement and hopefully we onboard more people into this idea of like actually owning their digital assets uh i think that's so so critical we're kind of all in like all we put all our chips on the table in this idea that this is going to be the the next key to a really unlocking web3 and the power is in these games and the ugc of building out and owning content i i know that you've mentioned season three and it's going until november 2nd for you guys how do you think about creating these seasons and what what is the what is the evolving experience uh, especially as it relies on like onboarding new players. Like, how do you think about seasons and that cadence of onboarding new players? Seasons have always been an accelerator of onboarding new players because they are like uh, uh, concentrating into a shorter period of time a great amount of content be, uh, being unveiled. And we're seeing here as well the. Um, the effect, the network effect at play. Because every day there is a new experience opening, there is a new uh, brand, a new celebrity that start echoing over social media, over Discord, Twitter, uh, over like coverage of people playing in streams and discovering, oh, yesterday I played The Walking Dead and today I'm going to play Rabbids and tomorrow there is the Atari X experience with Atari Sunnyvale or Crystal Castle here. Uh, there is this uh, Sueco and Warner Music Land that opened. And well, there is also the older re-engagement mechanic. So I want to come back tomorrow to discover what's new. We're kind of teaching you a pattern here. That's very important. Like we think like for the metaverse to succeed, it's not just about bring someone once, it's about make them come back again and again and again. So they are always surprised by something. There's always new discovery, amazing, amazing elements, 
and we reward them. The, 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 the rules of the season is like to reward people based on their different tiers of engagement. So it, you can still have the freedom to come at your own pace, maybe just a few minutes a day. People spend on average 30 minutes a day already completing those quests and coming back. Uh, we've seen that actually increase now that we introduce this notion of leaderboard where the time of completion of quests matters. So people are now as well having not only social behaviors and exploration behaviors, but also competitive behaviors over time. So we're starting to cover the whole um, um, categories from the taxonomy of Bartle into uh, like social games. And um, well, we've been iterating, we've been experimenting, and we're starting to see very, very good metrics with season three. So talk to me about working with some of these major brands, because I know you guys have had some incredible partnerships. What has that been like from uh, just terms of their their perception of Web3, of Web3 gaming, and then like getting them onboarded into this economy and your player base and their response. How has that experience been for you guys? Brands are attracted by the metaverse. They are looking at new ways to connect with their users, fans, customers. We have regularly, almost like every week, there's always one, two, sometimes more brands to announce who are entering the metaverse at Sandbox. It wasn't like that. At the beginning, it took us over a year, almost two, to convince the first brand about what it is, uh, what are the possibilities, how it's going to look like, why you should trust us into building this. Uh, even though we had experience in gaming and we had over 10 years of experience working with brands before from our previous game studio, uh, because they, they weren't really understanding NFTs. Now, I think like all brands have been exposed to what is web free, what are NFTs, what is the metaverse. They want to find how to offer something, a meaningful experience for their audience in it. And Sandbox is a platform that is live, a platform that they can come try see for yourself with so back in april we had three branded experience over a total of 30 in season two now we have 98 experiences with 22 major brands so a lot more content that on my most massive update today to date um and they also That's a see, lot of collaborations wow well yes it's oof, it's been a lot of work for our team they've done an amazing job uh, and also the community has been so supportive, the builders who've been involved since it's not just uh, our team building it, but it's really a collaboration of the creators and the community, like big, big up to everyone who contributed to make season three. Uh, and also the brands are really excited about the creative possibility of Sandbox. We were talking right before about game maker and user generated content. That is something unique that Sandbox has to offer. You're a brand, you can engage your community into like creative contests to build the land with you or to build the, to become your virtual neighbor on the map and create experience that will expand your own universe. And if you're a, a community, a web free community that has, let's say, a collection of NFTs, you don't have yet uh, a world, an environment, a place. You just created most of the time characters or a certain category of content. Sandbox becomes a very valuable uh, addition 
to create and develop the world, develop the stories, the adventure, the lore around your IP and do that with a community in a very community-driven and own way. I think that's what brands are liking a lot about Sandbox and we've been keeping to deliver around let's launch the land sales, have your community become your virtual neighbor, uh, work on creating your experience and social hub, launch game jams and contests to engage the creativity of your brand, launch uh, avatar collection to have people play as uh, your let's, with, with a collection of uh, doggies from Snoop Dogg or Aoki's character uh, play as you but each one is unique each identity is unique and different they like that and some brands and, and right now none of the brands are here at least the one and training sandbox are here for monetization they are here for creating new relationship new engagement um, with their users so that that works really well i know we're coming up on on uh time here a little bit but i am curious what your thoughts are in terms of not just uh traditional brand collaborations but metaverse collaborations with other web3 projects and what your vision is for this metaverse in the future so that's a very good um, ending question, I would say, like we believe Sandbox is part, a part of the metaverse. We're part of the open metaverse. Even we are a member of the OMA free, the open metaverse alliance with other actors from the web free ecosystem, like Somnium space, Voxel, Decentraland, Upland, uh, and others. We are, um, we want to build the principle of interoperability and even demonstrate and showcase it. So it's not just a theory, but something very concrete. We've shown there's already 13 NFT collections that are interoperable in Sandbox. So if you own a Bored Ape, a Cool Cat, a Clonex, a Cyber Kong, a Guttergat, a um, Cat or Rat or Pigeon, and a few other collections, you can already see that your NFT become a 3D character, become playable in Sandbox. Also, a lot of the NFTs and content made with the Sandbox uh, Vox Edit can already be used outside of Sandbox. You can play in, with them in AR on OVR uh, or with Jadoo or with Flickplay. So we encourage really to see Sandbox and its GameFaker as just one of the use case of those NFTs. We encourage the idea that we want to give life to all NFTs wherever they were created, displaying art or with avatars, and keep pushing forward that. And uh, I believe that we're still so early on in the space that as we all grow and as we all support each other, we'll all grow as well together. So that's why we will see me talk often with Decentraland. We also have like events and brands that do activation on the multiple um, decentralized virtual world. You'll see me, I, I, I'm the president of the Blockchain Game Alliance, which is an organization that now regroup 400 members. Back in 2018, we were just eight. Uh, so it's been an in incredible growth. And I believe into the supporting the overall ecosystem finding ways to connect, to collaborate, and to offer utility 
for the, the users across all those different uh, applications or games as part of like the strategy to grow the metaverse in general. So I, I know we've covered a great onboarding experience for new players who think that this might be really interesting to check out. Definitely jump into the season three here with the sandbox. To, to end on this with creators in mind, what, what's a great first step for a creator who's hearing about sandbox for the first time and they think, I would love to go and create, or maybe I have a PFP from a, from a different blockchain or, or my favorite project, and I want to bring that to life in the sandbox. Where should they start? Very simple. They should start with downloading GameMaker. Try it out. Um, play also some of the experiences available in the Alpha Season 3. The seasons are us. It's a curation of the best content from the creators, the community, and ourselves to inspire creators about the possibilities. So I would say like my recommendation is like, be curious, start by creating your avatar, engage in season three, and participate into one of the game jams. There's always one ongoing. And hopefully, progressively, you will find that creating is fun. And you might be inspired to become one of those either individual creator or start your own studio from anywhere in the world and have this chance to participate into being a pioneer building in the metaverse, owning land in the metaverse and interacting with web-free communities or some of the top brands of the world to create their experiences in the metaverse. I can't think of a better way to start getting onboarded into Web3. So I'll definitely link all of those official links for the sandbox in the description of this podcast episode. And Sebastian, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been a phenomenal episode. Yeah, and what a great way to experience uh, the creativity of Web3 and what that means for future ownership. So thank you again so much, Sebastian. It's been a very thought-provoking uh, experience to dive into the early days of the sandbox uh, to where you guys are today. My pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. This is I can't think of a better way to end season two uh, and look forward to season three. So if you enjoyed the podcast episode, make sure you like and subscribe if you're on YouTube or follow the podcast episode on whatever podcasting platform you use. And we'll see you all soon. Stay tuned for more NFT gaming related content.